Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Somewhere between science and superstition. Such sights to show you. Strange Eons. Welcome to Strange Eons Radio. That's Eric over there. Hello. That's Vanessa over there. Good day. I'm Kelly. Oh, guess what? As I just started this up, I realized I have nothing to vamp about. Who wants to talk about something before we get into movies? <laughs> uh, uh, Let's uh, see. What's sure going? It's cold outside. That's <laughs> it. I had to take the scraper to my car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I had some problems with the car recently. Jeep electronic problem. I don't know. This is I, I went to I, I went to a, a corn maze. Yeah, how was the corn maze? It's pretty good. But the name of the corn maze was really weird. It was like Bob's corn maze. Oh no. It's like hey, really Bob. strange. Your corn maze is good, Bob. <laughs> yeah, I just had a terrible name. But uh, yeah, it was a fun activity. Oh, fantastic. Should we just dive into movies? <laughs> Maybe we should. Maybe this was a terrible, terrible idea. Maybe we need uh, something to drive us in the future, huh? Any news on SAG? Well, you know, no? Okay. No. The, oh, there might be. <laughs> I'm not up to... Want to talk about Palestine? Oh, <laughs> no. <we're not. laughs> uh, a little behind no. the scenes, uh, before we started recording, we just had a very long conversation. <laughs> we did. And then it's like, all right, let's get to the recording. <laughs> the and uh, we've run out of everything. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, I have watched a lot of stuff, you guys. Ooh. Okay. Maybe I'll talk about a few uh, extra thing or something to uh, pad this out a bit. Um I have started watching a series on Netflix called Bodies. Okay. I have not heard anything about this. I think you would like this a lot. It's British. Okay. okay. It is a, it's billed as a limited series, and it takes place in three different timelines. I saw a trailer for this. Yes. Cool. So, okay. um, you know, the first thing starts off in 2023, and it is a policewoman who has found a dead body in an alley, a mm. naked man with a bullet wound to the eye and a weird tattoo on his wrist. Mm. And so she starts going into the investigation of how this happened. And then you see the uh, the title card 2023 and the time starts flipping backwards to like 1943. Mm. Oh, wow. And a cop finds <laughs> a body in the same alley. It's the same man with a bullet wound to the eye and the tattoo. Oh, and then it goes back into the 18 or the, yeah, 1890 or something like that. And an, a police officer finds the same body in the same alley. Hmm. And so then you flip back and forth through the show as these three police officers are trying to figure out what has happened. And you're starting to learn that there is somebody who doesn't want them to know who this body is. Oh. And uh, they have their tendrils into the police. And then at the end of the first episode, it all of a sudden flips into 2053 and a <laughs> cop finds the body in the oh. alley. And you're like, oh, man, they don't figure it out. So that's what the series is now. These four cops over these four timelines trying to figure out what this body is. Now, I don't know if it's going to end satisfyingly or not, but it is so cool right now. Ooh, so I'm only cool. three episodes in. It is really good. It's on Netflix. It is called Bodies. That sounds awesome. Um, well, I've been uh, watching the series Gen V on 
Amazon. The which, Boys. Which is the off. Boys spinoff um, where you're in the college with the specially gifted yeah. uh, youngins. <laughs> God you. God you. Um, and, it, you know, for me, like the first couple episodes, it was like pulling teeth. I just did not want to watch it. It was so just stressful and like... <laughs> It, I don't know, the pacing was, I don't, it just felt like I was in a constant car accident. <laughs> I'm just like, I really, this is not a fun experience. It's a very intense, consistent feel. Um, and then at some point it just clicked and it's been really, really good. I, I agree. It has been, uh, you know, so it's the boys. So, you know, it's going to have very flawed characters. Yes. And I think that's probably where your anxiety was coming from is that, I know someone's going to die horrifically yes. at any moment. Right. Yep. And they're dealing with trauma in their lives and all this stuff. And you start learning things about their past. And I, I was kind of the same way. I was like, oh, this is a little too much. Yeah. But I agree. The The last couple episodes have been great. And I think there's only... Well, actually, as this airs, the last episode should have aired. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I hope that it ties up nicely. Yeah, me too. Although I I suspect they're going to try to continue with another season of this. Well, I think all of these, as long as people like it, right, and it's paying the bills. It's not on on Netflix, so it won't be arbitrarily cut. For no reason. It's true. Right. And this is nice if you're a fan of the boys to get something in between the seasons. Yeah, so, it pretty is. Pretty smart. And they, you know, you do get to see different characters show up from the boys right. in a kind of pretty fun way. I like the way that they used... Um, oh, Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy. <laughs> no. Yes. I was like, this is a very good use of Soldier Boy. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. And when it nope. did, I was delighted. <laughs> yeah. Nice. This is very, very good. Well, you know, I've been doing the 100 days thing, so yeah, I'm not watching more... too really? much. <laughs> Two weeks in November, you're still doing it? <laughs> That's why I have nothing else to talk about. But but I'm going to have a lot to talk about for a long time. <laughs> but I did take time off from watching that to watch Fall of the House of Usher. Yes! Oh, which is amazing. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant storytelling and using Edgar Allan Poe in interesting ways. And uh, I mean, you know, a long time listeners show know I am a huge Flanagan fan and have been for a very, very long time. And it's so cool to see him continue to progress in the stories he tells and the way he tells them. And to, unlike some other directors, use a stock of performers that are Really, really good. Really good. <laughs> like, you don't know until he recasts them in the next thing how effing good they are. Yes. Yeah. The, the character changes of some of the people from his other mm-hmm. short fil- or short series to this one is just like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> You're doing who now? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm assuming you have both have seen this as well. Seen yes. it and finished it. I'm not the fan that you guys are of him. I think that he is a really good filmmaker who can't land an ending, <laughs> but he landed the ending on Follow the House of Usher. I yeah. think this yeah. is a masterpiece. Yeah, it was Absolutely. it was incredibly well tied up and incredibly well told, like episodically. He he is a huge fan of Stephen King, so you know, no maybe kidding. that's his ending problem. <laughs> Well, and, you know, he's he's flipping over to Amazon, and I know he owns the rights to um, the Dark Tower. I know he wants oh, to do the tar- Dark Tower pretty much more than anything in the right. world, but he did just announce a project that is not the Dark Tower. It's right. a Stephen King short. Oh. Um, is he doing a film? Or a, it's a, a film, okay. I believe. And well, it's for him, a that's, crazy you know, good cast. He's just taking a break from 
<laughs> he wants. To, I've been doing this. I'm just going to go over here and make myself a little f- short film compared to what I usually <laughs> do. It's only going to be two hours. <laughs> yeah, and he's got going to get um, Tom Hiddleston's one of the people who will be in oh, his cool. stuff. Jeez. So I'm excited to see what he does with them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that uh, Fall of the House of Usher did some really neat things with, like, the ideas of Edgar yeah. Allan Poe. Yeah. So I, I really loved the episode of the Telltale Heart. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. what I was going to mention, oh. too. It was like, wow, that yeah. was done well. That yeah. was so good. And the Black Cat one was actually similar to the Black Cat mm-hmm. story. Yeah. So I had no problem with that. I know a lot of Poe. Uh, purists. Purists. <laughs> yeah. Poe-rists. Um <laughs> Aren't happy with it. But it's fine. They're intolerable human beings. Oh, ouch. Sorry, Danny. <laughs> no, as somebody who studied American lit to a very deep degree, I, I will say those people are a lot. So, no offense. You guys got good taste in what you read, but come on, chill the F out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm glad. So you you liked how it wound up and everything, oh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I just thought Aww. it was amazing. And <laughs> a modern world cathartic tale as well with some people in an awful industry mm-hmm. getting their comeuppance for being part of an awful industry. So, you know, that was that was... That was nice. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. the, like, denial, 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 even when they're... It's like, I will admit to murder... Before I admit that the pills that I'm selling are actually dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yep. wow, that is a good portrayal of mm. the modern world. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm so glad you liked it, Eric. And I'm so glad you watched it. <laughs> I got to watch. Okay, let's see. In the, uh, in the interest of padding this out, uh, <laughs> I will talk about Exorcist Believer. Oh. Is that the one with the, the new one with the two exorcisms? Right. I mean, what could be scarier than yeah. one possessed girl? Two. Two possessed <laughs> girls. That thing looked god fucking awful. Now, here's the real problem. It okay. starts off and I was like, huh, okay, I see what you're doing here. There's a couple of nods to the original and uh, and then it just goes off the fucking rail and David Gordon Green... I get that he loves horror, mm-hmm. but I don't think that he gets horror, mm-hmm. and I don't think he gets The Exorcist at all. No. And uh, the real problem with this sequel is that The Exorcist already had two pretty decent sequels that were fucking done by the writer of the book. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Ninth Configuration is a spiritual sequel, and it's a really cool movie. And then Exorcist Three is a literal sequel, and it's a really cool movie. Then it had two prequels that were halfway decent. Mm-hmm. And then it had two seasons of a TV series that was halfway decent. And, so, and at times really good. <laughs> yeah. So this is already a very rich franchise yeah. mm-hmm. to then go, I'm going to ignore all of that and make this a direct sequel to the first film. Is I mean, the ego that it takes to do that. <laughs> That's what you did with Halloween. Well, yeah, but Halloween admittedly had a bunch of bad movies in this franchise that he could say we're going to ignore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is not the case with The Exorcist. Mm. You know, and even The Exorcist 2, which is an awful movie, is very watchable. It's gorgeous. It's fucking John Borman. True. Um, it makes no sense, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it's still a better movie than this. I would put this at the back end of all of the Exorcist films. Uh, he's got uh, Burson's character, uh, McNeil, Chris McNeil, comes in for some reason, and she's just dealt with people who have had 
kids possessed by demons. And what a life choice. Yeah. And and she's not an exorcist or anything like this, but she does make a comment when they say, you know, she says, I wasn't allowed in to see the exorcism because of the damn patriarchy. And I'm like, wait a second, we've all seen this fucking movie and that's not what happens. So you, you're now putting her in this film and making her reason a lie for this sequel. And it's just, it just infuriated me as I was watching. I was like, boy, this is one of the, uh, you know, one of the best movies ever made. You've decided to make a sequel to, and, and then you just didn't even get it. You didn't get what that movie was about. Yeah. But with all the bad reviews, uh, we're going to get another sequel. I don't know what that Why? dude has. He's ever, I mean, he, he's got something on Jason yeah. Blum. Because it's just, I mean, the <laughs> Halloween movies. Of were, murdering somebody or something. <laughs> the Halloween movies were not good. The Sounds second like, one was kind of fun. Yeah, um, but that's kind of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, the third one was such a hot mess. What? Oh, man. It was a the great decisions. comedy. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't know, you know, this was a, this wasn't even a Blumhouse film. I mean, it was a Blumhouse, but in association with Universal. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, you guys, I get that when you've got an IP, you want to wring every last dollar out of (laughs) it. But this was just the wrong way to do it. This is the way to make sure you wring all the dollars out of it and people go, you know what? Maybe I won't watch as many of these as I would have if they were. I feel like it's good. a double punch too, since it was like William Friedkin died not that long ago, right? And then fucking David Gordon Green had the balls to say, "I really wish that William could have seen this film." I don't think he, he wished that at all. No, exactly. <laughs> Based on what he said of The Exorcist too, uh, no. I don't think you wanted him to see this. You don't want that guy's honesty. <laughs> no. Um, I don't know why they couldn't if they had to to make another Exorcist film, why they couldn't have just made a remake of it, set it in modern times, and that could have had a yeah. lot of story potential with the way people feel about the Catholic Church right now yeah. and with social media and all of that stuff. You could have done an interesting modern-day take on the original yeah, story. Exactly. Yeah. That's The Exorcist Believer. Watch it on uh, Max right now. <laughs> or, or or not. Or not. I don't think I will. Um so actually, the movie I want to talk about is one I, I just saw that uh, Kelly, you had talked about previously, and it sounded very interesting. Uh, I saw The Collector. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. From yeah. several years ago? Yeah. 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 Who was the guy? He was a guest at Crypticon one year, wasn't he? I think he was. Yeah. Uh, huh. The lead guy. Yeah. I I had such a good time with it, considering I I really thought that I was going to... At first, I was like, okay, well, the way that Kelly talks about this is going to be awesome. And then I started watching it, and I was like, ooh, I'm going to dislike this movie (laughs) because it's basically Saw. But then I was like, but it's not because it's Saw, but with, like, a guy, like, running around in the background kind of, like, haphazardly trying to help people. It's such a weird original idea. It's so weird, but it's really fun. Yeah. So I, I really, I don't know. I was enjoying it so much more than I thought I would. I think that was how I felt when I started watching Because yeah. I think yeah. I watched like The Collector 2 first. You did, yeah. And then I was like, what? What, what? is going on with this? This movie is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I, and I still have to watch that. But yeah, I'm, I'm just so in love with the lead though that I'm really sad. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen to him in Collector 2 because I do not recall what you <laughs> talked about at all. But um, I'm, I'm worried. I'm concerned. 
Yeah, that was Josh Stewart. Oh, okay. As was he the actor, the he's director, the, the lead guy, okay, the, the guy running around in the background. Yeah, he's uh. super fun. Like he was, he was just very watchable, and I just enjoyed. And even though like it's a family that's being tortured and they're horrible human beings and blah blah right. blah blah blah, I was still like, well, that's the entire Saw movie. But it's a Saw movie, but it's not. Well, yeah, because the premise is a guy who's going to rob this mansion yep. <laughs> and then he accidentally stumbles in on everybody has been captured by this bizarre serial killer who has set like, traps yeah, all through the house the entire house with like <laughs> piano wire and just really upsetting you put your hand through a window and it turns out that it's got razor blades on the other side so you can't like stick your hand back in right yeah, yeah. It, i'm glad you liked it it is one <laughs> of those movies that not Many people are talking about. No, and it's. I think it's one of those really underseen films. And if you watch the first 10 minutes, I can see why people might not continue right. because it feels like life's, <laughs> lifetime original movie level <laughs> <laughs> production value of a horror film with very bad acting. But then once the movie picks up, it is it is just really pretty magical. I'm delighted. That is called The Collector. Is that, that must be streaming somewhere. That was streaming on some. Okay. I think I probably paid probably, for it on Amazon. I was going to say, it's probably Prime. And yeah, right. it's probably a couple bucks. Right, all yeah. over the place. So I'm going to finish my one today off with what was my favorite viewing experience, experience <laughs> at the H.P. <laughs> Lovecraft Film Festival. Oh, okay. The movie, I believe, is pronounced Menor or Menorah, but it, or Menori. <laughs> it's a Greek film. I am not going to even attempt to say the director's name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. There's a lot of K's. <laughs> he looks like about 17 syllables. It was in a packed theater, of course, and it the trailer kind of made it look like it was serious. Like it was this odd, dark story of a musician, and it's absolutely not. Oh. It has musical numbers. There's very odd musical numbers of people sitting together on this very tightly packed stage, singing or playing instruments. Like, like if you're sitting around at a house, like your house probably is at times, Kelly, where you've got a very musical family, but everybody's just sitting on the couches singing along or something. It's very w weird. You, uh, you have a strange idea of what my family is like, but all right. <laughs> I was like, I'm getting a real picture now. It's, it's very fun. Well, at least it is in my mind. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it's actually very funny and very insane and re over the top ridiculous with uh, amazing effects. I looked the guy up and he's been a compositor for movies like Guardians of the Galaxy. And oh, stuff cool. Like that, uh, with moments of insanely gruesome violence. Um, but still... The like a town is invaded by not really invaded, but there's this weird thing coming up out of the water and it keeps coming bigger and bigger and things keep going crazier and crazier the more of it's revealed. Mm. And then a group of them at one point decide, well, we're gonna go stop it. And there's a moment, this is in the trailer too, where you see all the people gathered together, the theater cheered. Ah. I mean, the the whole theater was so into this movie. It was one of those uh, experiences that make that you wish theaters like this is why we have to keep theaters mm -hmm. the, there's at least two maybe three cheer moments tons of laughter the credits got an applause the credits ended and people applauded again I mean it was so much fun wow I love this movie yeah <laughs> 
I didn't get to see that, but I remember Gwen pitching it as uh, Grabbers meets Mamma Mia. Yeah. Whoa. That'll work. And then <laughs> Cody Goodfellow told me uh, that it was basically my big fat Greek apocalypse. Yes. Wow. <laughs> also a fantastic description. Both apt. Incredible. So it is not currently available, still doing its festival run. This has a shutter kind of release written all over it, but uh, I don't know where it'll end up, but I would not be a bit surprised to see it on shutter, which is getting good again, finally. Yeah. Really good. So Yeah, and I'll bet this, oh boy, by the time this comes out, uh, the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival in Mobile, uh, Alabama right. has already happened. I'm sure it showed there again. It did, yes. So, well, mm. cool. Um, I don't know. Do I talk about one more film or do we go to a break? You know... We're fine. Okay. You know, yeah, people I'm... out there yelling, talk more or shut the fuck up. So, yeah. <laughs> so I won't talk anymore. Let's take a little break. And then when we come back, we are talking video nasties. Ugh, I hate these big-ass prices. Sounds like you could use some big-ass savings. I'd love some big-ass savings. Kmart Shop Your Way members save 30 cents a gallon. 30 cents a gallon? That's a big-ass discount. Big-ass discount. A really big-ass discount. Really big-ass discount. Honey, this solves your big-ass problem. Totally solves my big-ass problem. Dad, look at that big-ass truck. Big-ass man. Hello, big-ass man. Shop Your Way members get big-ass savings. Hello? Let's see who's called the Strange Eons Radio Hotline. Hey, this is Danny calling. I just want to let you cats know that I really super appreciate the good work you're doing. I've been dragging my friends through all kinds of new horror based on what you guys talk about on the show. They think I'm some kind of genius. I'm going to need you to keep it up, but only let me hear your podcast so that my friends continue to be fooled by my uh, horror expertise. Uh, thanks, and be cool. If you'd like to call the Strange Eons radio hotline, dial 253-237-4266. Nobody hangs up on me. And we're back. Uh, okay, so we're continuing Video Nasty November. And of course, we talked about last episode what the Video Nasties were. was a, a group of 72 films in the early 80s that uh, the UK had basically banned most of those films have been released and, yeah. uh, you know, with certain amounts of cuts and everything. And then in the, you know, recent years, they've been released as they were. And you're looking at them now going, huh, can't believe this was ever banned for any reason, but okay. Yep. <laughs> there's a few that pop on the list. You go, oh, yeah. Right. But there's a lot that, like, I'd love to see a write-up of what your decision points were for this one. Yeah. They usually have a pretty thorough description. Well, I'm putting 10 minutes on the buzzer for myself, and uh, I'm going to start first. This movie should have been banned just because. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And it is called Mardi Gras Massacre. New Orleans, Mardi Gras, masks, and murder. God. The Mardi Gras Help Massacre. Beautiful women are dying, and so are the New Orleans cops. As they battle a bloodthirsty madman, a masked monster, Mardi Gras Massacre. 
from 1978. You guys ever seen this uh, cinematic gem? No, I thought about doing it for our uh, Southern Gothic or Southern oh, Horror. Oh, did you? Oh, whatever, I really I... wish you had. Why <laughs> wait? Yes, there you go. Saved Kelly. <laughs> I could find no budget or box office numbers on this, but I got a good guess. Somewhere in the maybe thousands of dollars. <laughs> um, Rotten Tomatoes critics, no rating from the critics. 13% from the audience. Ooh. Seems very generous. <laughs> oh, God. Written and directed by Jack Weiss, who has six credits, including Storyville, Crypt of Dark Secrets, Death Brings Roses. Uh, he was the location manager of Live and Let Die. Okay. So, That's sure. Yeah. fun. Starring Kurt Dawson, who has seven credits, including Bloodbath, Episodes of As the World Turns, Guiding Light, and Another World. I wish he had shown any of those acting chops in this film. <laughs> uh, Gwen Arment is in this. She has three credits, including Crypt of Dark Secrets and Dream Lover. And William Metzo, who has three credits, which is this, uh, The Death Collector, and an unnamed ABC after-school special. <laughs> That sounds fun. Mardi Gras Let's massacre. talk about that unnamed. <laughs> uh, I really hope that the buzzer goes off right now. <laughs> we open in New Orleans, as you would hope, from a movie called Mardi Gras Massacre, and we are introduced to a man named John, Okay, which is a bit on the nose because he has entered a bar looking for a prostitute. <laughs> okay. John is already a bit weird. He's dressed rather dapperly. And he slides up to the bar and asks a couple of prostitutes there, who is the evilest prostitute here? Oh, my God. Oh, uh, he is directed to Shirley. Sure. <laughs> who, when he asks her if she is indeed the evilest, she responds, and I shit you guys not. Listen, honey, I could probably take first prize in any evil contest. Damn. <laughs> Which is a hoot to hear, admittedly, but she's also kind of adorable looking. And the filmmakers have tried to sex her up a bit with her dress and makeup, but she's really just a very cute girl next door looking girl. <laughs> anyway, uh, she asks how evil he wants to get, and he says about $200 worth of evil, and they head back to his place. Sure. What does that buy you? Well, evil that's, that's funny because uh, when they get back to his place, mm -hmm. he says, you probably realize I'm not like other guys. And she says, yeah, about $100 different. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, I do not understand how much prostitutes cost at all. Uh, so he says, come on over to this stone slab in my apartment. It is Jeez. definitely not a sacrificial altar. And take sure. off your clothes, which she does. And then he ties her to the, sto to the stone and says, I'll be right back. And he appears immediately wearing a robe and a crazy mask and oils up her body, which she likes, but then stabs her hands and feet with a ridiculously long dagger, which she is not a fan of. Uh, and um, then he goes to, okay, and I need to point out right here, you know, I love nudity in my movies. I'm always appreciative of any woman who gets naked for my pleasure. And this woman has got a lovely full-figured body, and she is strapped to this table and they show him oiling up her breasts in a close-up. And I'm like, those are not the breasts that I just saw on this woman. 
And I'm oh, like, what is God. going on? And I'm, I'm critical of these breasts because the prior shot showed her lovely and ample boobies right there. And then this close-up, <laughs> the boobs look like weird. They don't even look real. Uh, oh and God, I was wondering, why did they have stunt boobs for this close-up? But then it becomes apparent that they absolutely are not real because the man jabs the dagger between them and oh. moves around inside her till he pulls out her bloody heart. Oh, there you um, go. It is a fun, over-the-top scene, gory, but it also kind of throws out the idea of a rib cage and, and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. I get. This was 78, and we had never seen a skeleton before. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the setup. And then we meet our protagonist, Frank, a New Orleans cop who's trying to find out who this murderer is. And then we throw in Sherry, who is the typical hooker with a heart of gold, and they start up a relationship with her helping him on the case. Uh You know, she's got insight into the worlds of prostitution that he doesn't have. It's a very uncomfortable relationship because he's embarrassed that he's falling for her. He's a cop. She's a hooker. This (laughs) will never work, honey. Um, Meanwhile, he's a cop in New Orleans, uh, you know, drug and all of this Stuff. And I'm like, I feel like they were all dated hookers, right? There, there would have been, <laughs> nobody would have thought twice about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm saying hookers because it's 1978 and that was the nomenclature. I prefer to think of them as sex work. Meanwhile, John continues to stock the bars looking for evil women that he can sacrifice to the Aztec goddess Coatl, who is the queen of evil. Oh. You think that he would want to sacrifice not evil women? That she would be all about evil women? But no, this is what he's doing. Uh. Um, at one point, he ends up getting a very young girl. She says she's 19, but who knows? Uh, anyway, he kind of senses that she is not evil and he doesn't want to kill her. But she's like, hey, you paid good money for me and you're going to get what you were promised. Oh, no. So he goes ahead and kills her. Wow. Anyway, the cop loses his girlfriend, and then there's one scene that looks like it actually might have taken place during Mardi Gras in 1978. It is a very dirty, sleazy, slimy area of town with thousands of people jamming the streets and trash and garbage everywhere and men going, throw me your beads and all of this stuff. And I'll be honest, it does not look like a fun time to me at all. (laughs) I could avoid this forever. Uh, will Frank be able to stop John's final night of sacrifice, which includes Sherry and a couple of her friends? Mm. Will there be the laziest chase scene ever filmed that <laughs> ends up with a New Orleans cop car in the drink? And will the killer manage to escape, leaving only his Aztec mask behind? Oh. Don't walk, run to your nearest television and watch this pile of garbage tonight. Oh, God. Uh, this movie was bad. I love sleaze, and when I asked on the Facebook page what to watch, Dan Woodski suggested this film. I will say this now, don't listen to anything that man says, ever. (laughs) This was sleazy, but it was so damn awful that I couldn't enjoy it. Uh, There's a scene where Frank and Sherry are going to have sex for the first time, and it opens with a crew member walking out of the shot. It, it literally would have, it would have required a half-second cut from before that scene, but that was apparently too much for these guys. They had burned through their editing budget. Whoa. The credits are amazing. There's just a black screen with a couple of different fonts used and no logo or graphics for the title card. Just Mardi Gras Massacre in two different fonts from like 1926. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Trivia. Mardi Gras Massacre was released in the United States in 1983, five years after its completion, and was given an X rating by the MPAA. 
It is a semi-sequel slash remake of the film Blood Feast. Oh, shit. Oh, Jesus. Uh, this was one of my favorite bits of trivia, and I was like, no, duh. Uh, William Mezzo didn't have to audition for the role of John. Weird. Clearly not. <laughs> Can you be here at these dates? Yes. Okay. You're in. Uh, finally, I have a review here. Woody Anders gave this an 8 out of 10. Oh. Okay, Woody. With this review. This gloriously ghastly cinematic abomination possesses all right wrong stuff to qualify ah. as a real four-star schlockfest. Hilariously horrible acting from a lame no-name cast, hopelessly all-thumbs misdirection by Jack Weiss, who also wrote the wafer-thin script, tacky gore, applauding pace, slipshot editing, crude cinematography, a complete dearth of tension and creepy atmosphere, and plenty of needless filler in between the killings all add up to create one of the single most spectacularly shoddy celluloid stinkers to ever ooze its lurid way across the big screen. He's got a he's got a real Carlos yeah. system of rating four out of yeah, ten, and then eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He, he did not think it was whack. He, he loved this movie, but then goes on to just say how awful it is yeah. over and over. And I I was like, okay, I can appreciate this, Dan. Uh, I apologize for uh, besmirching your fine name <laughs> and your taste, but. Uh, if anybody else has a recommendation, I'd love to hear it for my next films. <laughs> That's uh, Mardi Gras Massacre, which I found on, uh, I think it was Tubi. <laughs> or it might have been YouTube. Wow, you made the full 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm sweating. Yeah. I'm just like exhausted reliving this thing. It was... <laughs> It was so bad. The The oh. shots looked like they had set up a bar or an apartment or whatever in a warehouse. <laughs> and then, you know, they've just got the camera uh, set on sticks and nobody moving it. Everybody's talking in a long shot. It's just oh. like, woof, this is rough. Now, <laughs> the reason it was given this uh, X rating is because th there's a lot of scenes of uh, – the uh, the full frontal nudity and then the close-up shot of the, you know, fake boobs and everything. And then the guy cuts in and uh, bright red paint starts to drip out and he reaches in and just kind of roots around and pulls out a heart. And <laughs> it's like, uh, and then they show the shot of the girl's face with, you know, very bright red blood coming out between her lips and her eyes wide open. Like, okay, there we are. Mardi Gras massacre. 70s wow. blood. Yeah. Rough. Vanessa, please tell me you had something better than this today. Um. Well, we'll find out, won't we? Uh, so <laughs> I also went, the, went with a listener suggestion. Um, and it was something that I've been wanting to watch for a little bit. It always looked really interesting from the poster. The Fun House from 1981. <laughs> Who will dare to face the challenge of the monster? Who is mad enough to enter that world of darkness? Something is alive in the funhouse. Something not alive like its father. Something better dead. Something that has the form of a human, but not the face. This better be good. It's gonna be great. Something that feeds off the flesh and blood of young innocents. Something that tonight will turn the funhouse into a carnival of terror. I don't know what that thing is. I just want to get the hell out of here. 
Fun House, coming soon from Universal Pictures. The Fun House, it's a carnival of terror from Toby Hooper, the director who terrified you with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, this is a Rotten Tomato score of 67% from critics and 41% from audience, with a budget of $3 million and a box office of 7.8, directed by Toby Hooper. Woohoo! 43 credits to his name, including Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and 2, Life Force, Poltergeist. <laughs> Doing very big quotes here. He didn't fucking direct that. Crocodile Eaten Alive. And his last film in 2013 was Jin, uh, starring Elizabeth Barrage as Amy Harper. She has 29 credits, including Amadeus, Hidalgo. 84 episodes of the John Larroquette show, which I forgot existed, and 62 episodes of a TV show called Texas. Um, Also starring Cooper Huckabee as Buzz Dawson. 70 credits, including Space Cowboys, The General's Daughter, and a lot of TV. Miles Chapin as Richie, who has 23 credits to his name. He's probably the most actory among the bunch as far as actually acting. He was in Howard the Duck, Hair... (laughs) Perry, uh, People versus Larry Flint and Get Crazy. And uh, last but not least, Largo Woodruff, who's beautiful, really pretty good actress, mostly uh, 17 credits, just mostly TV movies. I was like, damn, she, she was better than the lead, but that's okay. <laughs> All right. So the plot is Amy Harper is being stalked in her own home by a masked assailant who creeps around from room to room. We kind of see them starting off in this room that has a lot of like uh, universal Hollywood sort of masks on it. Lots of uh, Frankenstein and Dracula and all. Somebody's a big movie fan. <laughs> um, but we see a POV and it's kind of going from one spot to the next, looking and looking. And we hear, of course, the shower. We see women's clothing on a bed. And we uh, get to the bathroom. He pulls back the curtain and does a very psycho-ish murder with a lot of similar kind of (laughs) missing her the first couple times and then getting her with the knife. But it goes, uh, it kind of bends when it hits her (laughs) because it's a toy (laughs) and it's her little brother in our first nudity scene. <laughs> sexy nudity scene teenage girl brother it was gross <laughs> uh she freaks out of course she chases him out um she's getting ready to go on a first date with buzz dawson um so she's especially irritated with her brother and promises that one day she will get him good um and uh, she tells her parents, hey, I'm going off to the carnival with Buzz. And her mom's like, can't you do better than some gas station attendant? I'm like, she's like 16. <laughs> what do you want from her? Uh, and her dad says, you know, last year, somebody, a little girl went missing at that carnival. I don't want you going there. Um, but it's kind of in the background that he says this. And so she half hears and that we half hear. And she's like, oh, okay, dad. So she, Buzz comes to pick her up and she says, hey, could we like go to a movie instead? I kind of promised my dad I wouldn't go to this carnival. And and he's like, we're going to the carnival, lady. So they go. Carnival (laughs) in 1981, much like your version of Mardi Gras in the 70s, it's fucking awful. Yeah. Just awful. What a 
horrible experience this would be. <laughs> a lot of people just yelling in microphones trying to get you to come into their tent. Um, one of which has just uh, double-headed farm animals that uh, look very sad and depressing. Um, there's the whole try your strength with a hammer thing. And so you get a close-up of like one carnival-y thing. And uh, then there's a, a tent that's like, come check out our nude women. I'm like, what is this <laughs> carnival? Where are you? It just feels so seedy and weird and gross. And of course, there is a scary ride, which they save till last. Um once they go through it, Richie says, uh, hey, one of the, the friend, the two, the, there's a couple, and they're also hanging out with them. They're friends. Anyway, Richie, the one with the glasses, says his friend last year stayed the night in this ride afterwards, um, and they they snuck in, you know, stayed in the carnival when it was all shut down. So, um, of course, Buzz and Amy think this is a fun idea, too, because then they can probably have sex in it. So that's what they are doing. They get they sneak in at night. They're hanging Hot. out, trying to have sex right next to each other, basically, um, <laughs> in the the empty cheapo ride. Then something happens underneath the floorboards. We see a guy who we'd seen a couple times before dressed up in a Frankenstein mask, um, trying to get a sexual favor, uh, paying the fortune teller uh, lady for it, and then. Um, it goes a bit wrong for him and he gets mad and she's like, Hey, you got your money's worth. Sorry. It's not my fault that, you know, you uh, arrived a little early <laughs> and um, he then strangles her no. and she dies. Okay. Uh, so these kids are now like, we got to get out of here. This seems real bad. <laughs> so um, they try to find an exit, but it is all locked up. They cannot get out of this, uh, this kind of behind the scenes set of a ride. Um, the to make matters worse, Richie uh, has managed to steal a bunch of the money from the carnival workers uh, in this space. And um, when the father of this Frankenstein mask wearer uh, starts berating his son for killing this lady and them having to now deal with this dead body, Richie's lighter falls out through the floorboards and oh, whoa, now people know a witness uh, witnesses to a murder. My God. Um, we then spend the rest of the film with um, them being chased around by essentially the circus geek. Uh, once we see the Frankenstein mask coming off, the father has told his son, hey, you got to go kill these people. Um, you already did it once, so you might as well do it again. I'll take you fishing. And the kid's really <laughs> cool with that, so it's great. Huh. So we end up in the film with a monstrous, mentally impaired guy uh, being driven to kill by a directive from his father with a bunch of teenagers who are trapped in not their home turf. Sound familiar? Mm. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I did not like this movie at all. It feels like... <laughs> feels like Toby Hooper has a bit of a one-trick pony, at least at this point in his career. Um, I don't care for this kind of story that much. A crazy family, woo, mutant son, woo, bullying father, and he's trying to get the approval, woo, slightly sex-crazed person, woo, teenagers. I, I just, I don't care. I just don't care. Um, the actors all seem fine. The extreme carny, like you know, just one dimensional level of the, the father son were way over the top. 
like unwatchable. Um, this version of Carnival seems like hell, and I would <laughs> never want to go. Um, they almost did something clever with the younger brother. He uh, sneaks off and tries to get into, uh, he does get into the fair and he's following his sister around. And then when she disappears into the ride, the, you almost are like, oh, is he going to rescue her? And then they do nothing with that story. There was a really interesting moment where they could have set up the whole, this person murdered this little girl the previous year. And you kind of think you might meet that character, but then they just seem really nice. I'm like, why didn't you just end with that? Just end with like, you know, maybe the the teens escaping into the hands of like a, a actual another murderer. You know, that would have been something. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess some trivia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's there's a fair amount of stuff in here. Um, the, the extras got stuck on one of the rides that did not stop moving, and um, they they couldn't get it to stop for quite a while, and there was a lot of puke. Oh, oh my God! Director Toby Hooper was at one point nearly struck by a flying cog, but was saved by an extra who broke their arm in the process. Um, there, Dean R. Kuntz wrote a novelization of screenplay under the pseudonym Owen Well uh, West. The book contains a lot of backstory added by Kuntz, and because of this, the fact and the fact that the book was released before the movie, due to a delay in post production, it is often mistaken that the movie is based on the book when the reverse is true. Interesting. Um, and of course, most interestingly to me, uh, the UK, uh, in the UK, this was prosecuted, of course, as a video nasty, um, but was re later released um, as the film was. A lot of people were confu confused by this because the film was considered fairly tame by critics. It's speculated that they were actually attempting to ban. Something else in a mix-up, The Last House on Dead End Street in 1973, which is alternative title, was The Fun Space House. That definitely would be far more likely to be banned than, yep. than Toby Hooper's movie. Yep. So uh, it was banned, but uh, by accident. How interesting. Well, probably <laughs> the best thing that could have happened for the film. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Because it was a real dud. You know... Toby had an interesting childhood, and uh, the fact that, you know, his his movies, uh, Texas Chainsaw, and then Eaten Alive, yep. and Funhouse, and then one year later is Poltergeist, it just does not fly. It right. doesn't and add up. I'm sorry, Poltergeist, <laughs> if you've seen it with your eyeballs ever, or heard it with your ears ever, it's like 100% a Spielberg joint. Yeah. And, and post that. He never made another movie that looked remotely no. similar no. in any way. You can't say he suddenly knew how to make this kind of movie. It's interesting. I wonder what Spielberg saw in him yeah. originally to to be the director of something like yeah, Poltergeist. I yeah, I, I think, and it sounded like, because one of my other pieces of trivia was that uh, he turned down working on a different Spielberg movie to to finish up this film. So I'm like, Spielberg was, I guess, after him for a hot minute. Weird. Yeah, and I think Poltergeist was right after this, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, we'll never know. No. So. Uh, everybody on the Poltergeist set says that they were directed by Toby. Yeah. I'm sure he came and did something. <laughs> I'm sure he was there. I just don't think he directed it, or at least maybe he wasn't in the, I don't know. It doesn't look like a Toby Hooper movie. It doesn't. No, no. No. They had a DP help on the 
<laughs> yeah, maybe he was given really specific, like, storyboards. <laughs> hey, there you go. I mean, I don't know. And definitely was not in the editing room. <laughs> Eric, what have you got for us? I have got the oddly titled Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. So shocking. So terrifying. So powerful. Night Warning has been named Best Horror Film of the Year by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror. Billy and Julie, young, innocent, in love. It was all a mistake. They didn't go looking for trouble. They were just too curious. Without knowing, they've uncovered a deadly secret. By accident, they've stumbled onto a grisly murder. Now, they know too much to live. Chilling tale of a young boy and girl, innocent victims, now targets of a frenzied obsession with murder. See the award-winning Night Warning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've seen this. Have it's you? a great oh, okay. title. Cool. This came out in 1981. Mm-hmm. This has no critics reviews and a 56, which. Is fair. I might say even low for this film. <laughs> the it's hard to get a hold of. It is available on Blu-ray from a company called Code Red, which is where I ended up getting it because it's not a very expensive release. And I'm okay that I purchased this film. Ooh. This is directed by William Asher, who also did Beach Blanket Bingo. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Bad thirteen episodes of Bad News Bears. Oh. Four episodes of Private Benjamin. Five episodes of Harbor Valley PTA <laughs> hmm. and I Dream of Jeannie 15 years later. Wow. Wow. <laughs> They're right. weird, weird combination of directing credits. Uh, written by Steve Bermere. Only writer's credits. Lots of credits as like a lawyer. Did a lot of legal work for films and some producing credits. Uh, Alan J. Gluckman, who wrote the 1993 TV movie, The Swamp Thing. Hmm. Uh, Fear Inside and Ruskies. Hmm. And Boone Collins wrote Sleep Over Nightmare, Abducted, Abducted 2, The Union, and Escape to Grizzly Mountain. Hmm. Whatever the hell that is. Actors, Jimmy McNichol from Smoke Bites the Dust, California Fever, The Love Boat, two after-school specials from ABC, Hmm. and five episodes of Decker. Kind of a childhood star. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan Tyrell, who's in Cry, Bad, The Demolitionist, Rockula, Flesh Plus Blood, which is a Paul Verhoeven film that is definitely recommended, and the narrator on Wizards. Oh. Un- uncredited, apparently. Bo Svensson, the, both versions of Inglorious Bastards, North Dallas 40, Primal Rage, Heartbreak Ridge, and replace the lead for the Walking, De- Walking Tall sequels. Mm. They both have 
them and is a large man. <laughs> 121 credits. And Julia Duffy, 163 episodes of New Heart, 463 episodes of The Doctors, and finally, Bill Paxton. Oh, nice. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he, uh, this is five productions in that he's been, like some TV shows in another movie or two, but not his first feature. He is quite good in it. There's also Britt Leach from The Last Starfighter, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Weird Science, very recognizable actor. The movie Breakdown. Hey, this one also starts with a couple people going on a journey somewhere. This journey is short-lived. Because <laughs> they say goodbye to their kid who's crying incessantly and a very creepy-looking lady that's holding him. Um, they drive along a seemingly nice road as they're going downhill and suddenly realize their brakes don't work. And they go off the uh, side of the hill in a not unlike one of the Final Destination movie moments with a large log. (laughs) And then they continue to go down the hill and fall over the edge and land in a river and probably to the count of 10, the car blows up. (laughs) (laughs) Then 14 years later, his mom, who's a little creepy, at this point, I am severely underestimating what is going to happen, (laughs) uh, who seems to be interested in him in a way that she should definitely not be. Oh. Mom is in quotes because it's supposed to be his aunt. Billy, the young boy from the beginning, is a good basketball player. You get to like him. He's a nice guy. Good job, Billy. Uh, Bill Paxton is cast exactly as you would expect him. Weird, whiny bully type. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's really good in it. It is wonderfully Paxton. He's got the smirk, the snark. It's all already there, ready to go. It's like, okay, this is nice. Uh, His aunt is awful and abusive to Billy. Um, he wants to try to get a basketball scholarship and she freaks out about, you're going to leave me and all, all the stuff I've done for you and the way I've raised you. Then the movie gets dark <laughs> with the first killing where she, the mom tries to seduce a plumber or something and kills him after he turns her down. And uh, Billy sees this and she tries to blame on, uh, he was trying to rape her, so she killed him, which... I think Billy can kind of tell isn't true, but is definitely going along with it. Then the detectives get along. This is the walking tall guy, or get involved, and he is a complete asshole. Film detective confronts Billy's coach because he knows he's gay. And the man who was killed is actually his boyfriend. He does this by in a fairly clever, disturbing scene of, "Hmm, nice ring. I have a matching ring to that. It's from the last crime scene I was just on. It's just, uh, let me interject here real quickly. The acting in this film is fucking great. Mm. It is really, really well done. Um, so the the detective has decided that the mom, I think I'm trying to, the breakdown changes oddly, but basically that this is a lover, a gay lover's quarrel. Mm-hmm. And uh, he will not let that go. Even though the other detective presents very strong evidence saying, that's not what's happening. Uh, he definitely is determined to make sure that this is a gay thing, ending his confrontation with the coach by saying, you know, be careful, there might be a lynching. Oh, jeez. Like, holy shit. That's dark. <laughs> it, yeah, it's very, very brutal. Um, the His constant going back and forth about the gay being killed is is rough and there's a lot of like little shots like hey make sure when you take that basketball shot that your wrist go limp i know uh, you're good at that 
God. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. It's, it's miscongeniality all over again. <laughs> but homophobia is on full display through this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, he even tells the other detective to stop looking at the alternative's ideas. Like, the, the evidence you're presenting me, I don't care about. I know what happened. And that's not the worst person in the movie. The mom is even worse. She is psychotically evil. When he goes for his scholarship tryout for basketball, she drugs him. Of course. And uh, so, you know, he doesn't do real well. And then it just gets darker and spirals down and down and down. This is an underrated gem. This is an incredibly strong film. It's incredibly well made. It is uncomfortable to watch at times. But the acting is so good that it makes these interesting and complicated characters work. Hmm. Uh, the one detective is definitely borderline uh, one-dimensional. But everybody else has a lot of different things going on. Billy's interesting. His girlfriend's interesting. The mom is, her performance is, should be listed along with any psychotic mom movie performance. It is really top of the line. Uh, it has also been released as Nightmare Maker. Uh, this was given a regional release in Oregon, <laughs> another Oregon movie, oh. in 1981. Film expanded a little bit in 82 and was nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Horror Film in 1982. Hmm. Um, it was right out the gate, one of the original UK video nasties. Uh, later submitted and, and continued to be ejected, rejected as late as 1987. Um, Michael Miller was originally hired to direct and completed the filming of the opening sequence with cinematographer Jan de Bont. Wow. Uh, The financiers decided that those two were too slow working together, so they hired uh, the director named earlier Asher and a new DP of Robbie Greenberg. This works, though, for this film because the directing is just good. Mm -hmm. It the, the performances handle this movie. You don't need the crazy shots. You don't need the angles. The story is weird enough and the acting is good enough that I think it would have detracted from it to have it be uh, artificially manipulated by the director and what he in shots and stuff. He just made it work. The director originally wanted Bill Paxton to be the lead, but uh, I think they made the right choice. <laughs> Recasting <laughs> I'll do a little go a little over on time just because film has garnered pretty strong reaction because of the positive portrayal of a gay male character. The the um coach is gay and it's not really hidden, it's mm-hmm. not really discussed. It's you know, 1980s, it's what it was. Um, but he is a hero in the movie. He is one of the people that helps Billy a lot. And it has nothing to do with, he doesn't hit on Billy. There's nothing in this movie that is, well, it's a gay man and a teen boy. They must be involved. None of that shit goes on at all. That's really refreshing for that era. Mm -hmm. It's very well portrayed. And uh, that angle is the only thing I could come up. Maybe the mom, there's some incestuous stuff with the mom and, or the aunt and the kid that, I don't, the content is probably why this was put on the list because there's not particularly anything horribly violent and there's not particularly any rough sex stuff. There's nothing that fits most of the video nasty reasons, but the overall 
storyline and characterizations probably made some 1980s men very uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I also kind of wonder if there were moments where they were like, well, we can't actually watch the movie because that would just be scandalous. The title and we'll the poster is Yeah, enough. we'll get infected by this evil. <laughs> exactly. I kind of, sometimes I get the feeling that it's like a title and the art alone can sort yeah. of get you banned. This is the poster with the shish kebab coming out the mouth, right? No, that's happy birthday to me. I oh, think. it is? Okay. This is, it's, it's Billy, I think with his girlfriend over the shoulder and he's opening himself up and the mom or something is inside oh, of him. Okay. I don't remember the exact look, but uh, we'll see it shortly enough. Look at, if you're wondering, look at the art for this particular right. episode. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, no. This is this this movie deserves a lot more recognition than it gets. It's mm. it's a tough, hard watch, which you know, not bad for a horror film, right? And uh, definitely would not be made today. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but, I'm glad uh, one of us had a good movie. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Thank was, God. I was surprised. Like I said, I've seen a lot of these video nasties. Yeah. There aren't a lot of good movies on this list. Yeah. This one's pretty solid. And with just a ridiculous title. You know, this this month sounded so fun in theory. <laughs> just, I don't know, man. Not done yet. I know. Well, no, but we are taking a break next week. Yes. Because next week our episode lands on Thanksgiving. And so instead of Video Nasty November, we are doing Happy Franksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Which is, uh, we're, we're just going to pick a Frankenstein movie and talk about it for, for your listening we're pleasure. we're going to get some hot dogs and hang out. Oh. Oh, well. <laughs> Shit. I didn't even <laughs> that think of that. That took me a second there. It's like, hot? Oh, uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> You know, that's okay. So, I can do this too. Yes, I think that this is better idea. Actually, it kind of fits in with the theme of our show. Sure. Uh, so that's what we're doing next week. Uh, yeah, next week uh, is going to be Frankenstein films. Um, and by Frankenstein, do, does it have to have Frankenstein, or is it no? The I think monster Frankenstein really? themes. Okay. So great. There's a, yeah, there's a there's, bunch of there's, there's a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. Too. That's why I was because I was I saw some lists and I was like, there is some incredible stuff that I would love to check out, but mm -hmm. it's not technically right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and I'd like to make this a a uh, tradition. Uh, happy Frankenstein or Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'd be down with that because every time we end up doing like food, right? And yeah. we're really running low on we the are. food category. Birds, birds. you love the bird theory. The bird one, I still <laughs> could fill some a few films in with that. I've got at least two that I could talk about, but it's fine. <laughs> All right, guys. So this is where we say thanks to everybody who's liking, sharing posts, yes, who is awesome participating in the value for value model, which is really simple. If you get any value out of this, turn around and give it back and you decide what that value is. So we don't say join our Patreon or anything like that. Although we do have a subscription service and I found out that Danny Williford has taken like the highest level Aww. and is just subscribing monthly. And thank you, Danny. Yeah, thank of course you, Danny. he's doing that. That guy is amazing. Um, you can also call our uh, Strange Eons Radio hotline, which is 253-237-4266, and leave us a message. Uh, if you're liking what we're doing with these themed months and you have an idea for a theme, we're always open for that. I have a feeling December is going to come along and we're going to go back to picking, you know, a weekly thing. Yeah, the, a Christmas 
Nope, not enough, not enough Christmas movies for it to do. Not really. That many movies. That would be a lot of Christmas movies. Right. And um, plus, I don't want to get away completely from each of us coming yeah. to the table with something. Plus, we got some really neat suggestions on the, oh, yeah. the Strange Hands Radio talk page. That's true, yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll be getting to stuff like that. Uh, but next week, as we said, we're talking Frankenstein films. We'll be back in seven short days. See you next Thursday. Transportation and other considerations for Strange Eons Radio, produced by Pan Am Airlines. When you think of traveling, think of Pan Am. You can't beat the experience. Guests of Strange Eons Radio stay at Econo Lodge Everett. It's an easy stop on the road, you know what we mean. Strange Eons Radio is recorded live in front of a studio audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a positive review on your favorite podcast app. Sit, Ubu, sit. Okay, I do not understand how much prostitutes cost at all.